Hi, this is Marcella Detroit, and you're listening to Jim and Mike Talk Music. Today we have a special guest who is a singer, songwriter, guitarist. She's worked with Eric Clapton, Elton John, and Aretha Franklin, to name a few. She can be heard on the Eric Clapton songs Wonderful Tonight, Promises, The Core, and Lay Down Sally, which she wrote with Eric Clapton and George Terry. She later formed Shakespeare's sister with Siobhan Fahey. They had a huge hit with the song Stay, which went to number one in the UK for eight weeks back in 1992. Let's all welcome to Jim and Mike Talk Music, Marcella Detroit. Hi. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> hey, it's great to meet you virtually. Nice to meet you too. Yep. Thank you. So do we call you Marcella or Marcy? You can call me Marcy. Okay. Yeah. Hey, for our listeners, this is the second time she's been on Jim and Mike Talk Music. Uh, Marcy, you did a segment for us for Odd Songs. Oh, the Alice right. Cooper song. The Alice mm-hmm. Cooper song. <laughs> yeah. Millie and Billy. Right. So yeah. So you're in you're in LA? I am, yeah. And it's uh we actually got some rain last night and it's raining a little bit now, which is unusual. Okay, I was gonna ask you how the weather is. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's winter here, so you know, the coldest oh, okay. be like yeah. you know, fifty in the day. Well that's cold. that's better than here. Where I'm yeah. in New Jersey, Mike's in uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. It's, it's windy it's bit, and cold. <clears throat> bitter, bitter cold. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm in, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I in my basement of my house, and I have to turn the furnace off <laughs> to record. <laughs> yeah, or you'll oh, hear it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And Marcy, you've got a home studio. I heard. Well, we're on it right now. I'm yeah. Just, it's just an iMac that I've had. It, I really need to upgrade. Um, I've had this particular computer that I'm speaking to you on now for about mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the software, I mean, I can't even get, you know, the latest up, the upgrades, you know, for oh, yeah. my yeah. music software that I that I need. Um, so that's going to be an investment. But yeah, it's yeah. just a little, a little setup that I have in my, in a room in my place. And uh, mm-hmm. I have everything that I need, you know, I have good microphones and a lot of instruments. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's amazing what we can do these days with technology. It's just yeah. right there within the computer. I don't need a huge board. I don't need yeah. you know, tape machines, although I do miss that. I used to have yeah. a really nice two-inch tape machine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Try that board and stuff, but, you know, I don't have anywhere to put those right now. So Yeah, everything's smaller these days. You can just carry it around with you, take it to your friend's house and... Yeah, what? share sharing and yeah, yeah. all that. So yeah. you you were born in uh, Detroit. I was correct. Okay. And what kind of music did you listen to when you were 
younger. I feel really fortunate. Now, tell me if you hear some noises because people, some someone's doing construction nearby. Oh, and okay. it no, I, I don't. I don't hear any extras now. Sounds you clear. will. I just heard it. <laughs> some banging going on. Sound like this, but anyway. Um, so when I'm, I feel really fortunate that I grew up in a time like having Stevie Wonder and the Supremes as a backdrop mm-hmm. to my youth. You know, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I used to walk to school with a. A little transistor radio. I know that makes me sound really old. I remember them. Yep. It wasn't an iPod. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to have a good music. You had to have a good radio station nearby to back it up. That was your source of music. Yeah. We had so many great radio stations in Detroit. Um, we had some FM stations, WABX. We had CKLW. We had WXYZ. I mean, I haven't said that in ages, but um, we had we had some great stations, and they played a lot of Supreme, a lot of Motown, a lot of Temptations, a lot of mm-hmm. Aretha. I mean, anything that was soul, and yeah. even rock and roll as well. You know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. Detroit was was really um, ahead of its time when it came to progressive rock and roll, but there was also you know blues and R and B. Yeah. We had so was that the late 60s, 70s? Like what time period would that have been? Supremes or not? Well, they were 60s. <laughs> yeah, they were early 60s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Beatles, you know, I grew up yeah. with the Beatles as well when I was, yeah. when I was uh, 12 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to see them uh, with a friend, another friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, we saw them in Detroit at this place called Olympia, and uh, it was Incredible. I wow. love Beatles wow. when they came out. I was completely. So, so you knew something different was happening, right? I mean, that's that would be the feel, right? Like they were doing, wow, yeah, something different. Something really different that stirred up all kinds of emotions, you know, sensations. Yeah. These these guys with this unkempt hair and these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God! I made a young girl go, wow. <laughs> and I just, so cool. I just loved. It. Did you did you and scream a lot? Huh? Did I? I did not scream. I was probably one of the only girls that did not scream because I mm-hmm. loved music. I started in music when I was about five. Um, that's what I can remember anyway when mm-hmm. I started school. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved music. I started playing an instrument when I was mm-hmm. seven. The violin, right? Yeah. Well, first it was the recorder, and then okay, I went yeah. on, then I went on to violin, and then it was guitar. Um, but I wanted to hear them. So I was sitting in this auditorium with my friend and, and, and all I want to do is hear the Beatles and all I could hear were 15,000 girls going. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking to myself, literally, I still remember sitting there going, shut up. What is wrong with you idiots? Right. All I wanted to do was hear them, but, uh, I could barely hear what they were doing above the din. You know, it was so loud right like in in the classical or opera setting you're absolutely quiet you know and then yeah the opposite would be the beatles (laughs) yeah it was it was that was the most annoying part of it but but the wonderful part about it was to be able to say i saw them and i remember them wearing Mm -hmm. these amazing gray shark skin suits with navy collars and they were shiny and pink shirts and black skinny ties and (laughs) Man, wow. get it. It's <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. And then, you know, if you would have told me when I was when I was twelve years old that one day I'd be in George Harrison's house recording mm-hmm. and playing his guitars, I would have said, wow. No. 
you would have told me I would have met all the Beatles except for John Lennon, who was my first favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would never have met you. Yeah. Actually, my second favorite it was George Harrison, was my first favorite. So sitting, being in his house and recording was uh, wow. just beyond. Yeah. Wow. And then if somebody would tell you that in 2021, you'd be talking in on an interview and, and, uh, and doing interviews worldwide talking about the Beatles, that'd be pretty weird, too. That would be, that'd be pretty amazing, yeah. To think that anybody would want to talk to me about my crazy past. <laughs> so what about Tulsa? Um, what am I reading about? Uh, did you, what do you, can you tell us about the Tulsa sound of Tulsa? Well, um... As far as my history of music goes, you know, when I first started out, I, I, my, one of my first big breaks was working with Bob Seger. And Bob Seger mm -hmm. hired, mm -hmm. he hired the band I was in called Julia to back him up. He hired, you know, all of us, the rhythm section, me, the drummer and the bass player and the guitarist and, and myself. Mm -hmm. we, we toured with them for about a year. And um, after a few, maybe six months, I want to say, he fired the drummer and, and, uh, the bass player and hired these guys from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they were they were they were these big hot shots. You know, they they played jazz, but they could play anything. Um, mm -hmm. They worked with Bill Driscoll, who was mm -hmm. a, a trumpet player who who was becoming quite popular. But then um, Bob hired them, and and we were in the band. And we and I became really good friends with uh, Jamie Oldacre and Dick, Dick Sim, um, mm -hmm. drummer. And so after about six months more, I realized that. You know, if I really want to get further in my career, I need to stop doing this and, and do something else. So so I left the Seegers band and the guys from Tulsa invited me to move to Tulsa. And and I was really excited about that because uh, I was a big Leon Russell fan. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, Tulsa was his was his town. He was part of the wrecking crew, but he made some he was responsible for like Mad Dogs and Englishmen and, and all these incredible records, all this wonderful music and his own album as well. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to move to Tulsa because I'd love to mm -hmm. work with him. So long story short, I moved to Tulsa. My band, you know, with Jamie and Dick and a few other people, we were like the big fish in the little pond. We had people, a lot of notables would come and jam with us and, uh, including like JJ Kale and the Gap Band and, and, and Leon came in mm -hmm. and started playing with us and, uh, and then one day we had Carl Radel, who was the bass player for Derek and the Dominoes, come in. Mm -hmm. And um, he said that Clapton was looking for a new band. So Eric, uh, Carl called him and said, you should check these guys out, meaning us. So he yeah. calls us and sat in with us at this gig that we were doing at Kane's Ballroom, which was an iconic place to play. And uh, then hired us all. But I already committed to working with Leon. Because mm -hmm. um, uh, actually, I I was in a relationship with him, uh, okay. which was maybe a mistake, but that's <laughs> happened. Because I was madly, madly in love with him, madly in love with his music, madly in love with his talent. You can't hold back that. <laughs> no, no, I, I couldn't. And and so I I went off and toured with with Leon, and my friends all went off with Eric. About nine months later, Leon's band ended, and as did my relationship. But that was incredible. I'll just say that doing that was like a dream for me because I used to go see Leon Russell play every time he came to Detroit. Every venue he played, anywhere near Detroit, like Toledo, mm -hmm. or, you know, anywhere just outside of Detroit, I go. Mm -hmm. And 
I loved watching the interaction between him and his band members. And he always had these amazing female singers. And mm-hmm. some of them would take like a solo spot in the show. Well, when I was with Leon, I was the one with the solo spot in the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Wow. And you knew, you know, you're, you're already uh, playing the violin and, and doing things like that. And you know that you've got a voice. And so, uh, you know, you probably knew by then. And so you knew you could do that. You know, you could you could sing along with those songs. And uh, yeah, you already knew that. Well, I knew it. I knew it. But but what happened was, you know, it's it's one thing to, you know, sit in your room and play guitar and sing along with song mm-hmm. and, you know, play instruments. but but to when I when I made up my mind that music was what I was going to do for the rest of my life, I made a conscious decision. I was sitting in a park in Detroit playing my guitar, and I just come out of a, an abusive, physically abusive relationship mm-hmm. where I nearly got killed. And I was playing my guitar one day, and I realized how much comfort my music gave me, right? So I, I, and how much I needed it in my life, and how grateful I was. For it. Mm-hmm. I, I was singing in this park, and I remember looking up at the sky, going. This is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So I really put on my blinders, and that's all I did. I put my ad on a local uh, radio station called WABS, Girl Singer Looking for Blues Band. And I haven't really stopped since. (laughs) I got hired by these guys um, called the Bad Luck and Troubled Blues Band. And it was the first time I left home. I moved out of my parents' house, and I lived on Twinkies for about three or four months. And fell through. But, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying to picture them the naming that band, sitting around and saying, "Let's let's do the Bad Luck and Trouble Blues Band." Hmm. The title, the group name. Well, yeah, that's it's part of it's part of the blues. You know, it's probably it's a line from a blues song. You know, Bad Luck oh. and Trouble, my middle name, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. You know, right. from that mm-hmm. side. You know, so. I, I digressed a bit, but yeah, I, I I made up my mind that's what I was going to do, and and mm-hmm. I just started focusing on that, and things just started happening. The universe heard my call, yeah, felt my focus, and it kind of you know, yeah, if you have me. that that it drive, just, it just gave me a yeah. guiding hand. You got to have confidence, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was and not, it just, yeah. I some things it, happen like that; they just fall in the play, you know. You don't yes. think about it, you just, and it's great to do something that you love. Yeah, do. yeah no. certainly. I mean, some people are in jobs that they <laughs> they hate. They hate. Yeah. So, um, through Leon, you said so you met um, Eric Clapton. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't through Leon. It was through. It was just through moving to Tulsa. Okay. Uh, being mm-hmm. in, like, being in Tulsa and being in the right place at the right time, and Car- it was through Carl Radel mm-hmm. that me and my my friends all met um, Eric. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I I had got the invitation to go off Leon and the Gap Band and tour, and my friends all went off with Eric. And okay. when my stint with Leon was finished, mm-hmm. my friends said, "Come down to Jamaica because we're recording." You know, <laughs> Four Six One Ocean Boulevard, huge yeah. success. Mm-hmm. They they were doing another album. They invited me to come down there, and after I was there for like three days and sang on five or six songs already, Eric said, "Do you want to be in the band?" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> Am I an idiot? You and my friends with rock star who I deeply admire, and I used to watch play in Detroit at a place called the Grand Ballroom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that led to that was about four years then of touring and recording with Eric. Is that right? So generally right. speaking, mid seventies. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, like from, I joined his band in September of 74, and it was, it was about five years mm-hmm. that I was in the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and co-wrote a lot of songs. I never get tired of the core. I hear, I just, I, I listen to it over and over. I just, I don't know. I, you can't get tired of that song. Oh, thank anyway, you. Yeah, yeah. I find it unique because you start the song. It's an Eric Clapton song. But that's amazing that he had you begin singing. It's just fresh. It's fresh and unique to, to, to do that. Yeah. It's it cool. is, yeah. He yeah. was really generous like that. And I always got a solo spot in the show. And um, mm-hmm. he was very supportive of that. Do you have any Eric Clapton stories you could tell us? <laughs> um, you probably have a bunch. I'm sure you have a lot. <laughs> well, what do you want to hear? Naughty. <laughs> I don't care. We were up to some You're... crazy stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm happy I lived to tell the tale. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, some of us didn't, but um, and I miss my dear friends. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we it was it was incredible. To play, you know, to tour the world and and mm-hmm. play the places that we played and, and meet the wonderful people that we met. Mm-hmm. I think what the second time I joined Clapton's band was in '85 because I wrote another song with uh, Richard okay. Feldman, who was also from Tulsa. He wrote "Promises," which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. yeah. and I actually helped write that one as well. Okay, um, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah, so it was the second time when when I joined Clapton's band because we Richard and I wrote "Tangled in Love." And um, Eric heard it, and then I got a call, come down to Montserrat and bring a friend who can sing. So I brought this girl named Sean Murphy, who is like one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life. I brought Sean, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up joining his band. And I think um, uh, Eric Clapton's story would be us playing, us doing Live Aid, which was yes. just... Yes, we were going to ask uh, you about that. We were on tour in 80, I guess it was 85. Uh, we were on tour with Eric touring all over the world, but we were in the States. We were back east. We were, back in, we were out west. And so we got a mm-hmm. call to do the Live Aid show. And so we just jumped on a plane and went to Philadelphia. And there we were with all these amazing other artists and mm-hmm. got on this stage. It was like a revolving stage. Madonna was there. Okay. Got loads of people. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all the big names. They grabbed all the big names from the world, actually. Yeah. That's right. Duran Duran. Yeah. Phil Collins was flying in to join us. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did both to, shows. Yeah, right, he yeah. did London, and then he flew on the Concorde mm-hmm. to join us <laughs> in Philly. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So we're and waiting, we're, and we're waiting for him, and uh, and then we get on the stage, and then they said, "Okay, his helicopter has landed, so we're getting ready to go on." Get on the stage. It's a revolving stage, right? Mm-hmm. So one band finishes and we're behind them and there's a curtain. So what happens is after the, the band, the previous band leaves, you're on the stage and it revolves around and, and then you're in place. So we're all there getting ready to play. And the curtain opens for us mm-hmm. to start. And there were 105,000 people there. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you what the sound was. It was like, loud wow. it, it just like chilling and I remember looking at Eric and you know Eric had played like for hundreds of thousands of people yeah. but he looked at me and he went wow you know <laughs> I'm like, oh. right. 
That was such yeah, a Yeah, it had to be an experience. That was really an exciting show. And there's 100 million people, I don't, I'm just throwing a number out, you know, watching you at the same time. You know, not just, the, you know, the 100,000 in front of you. Well, I have here, it was yeah. the largest scale satellite link-ups and television broadcasts of all time. An estimated really? audience of 1.9 billion watched across 150 nations watched wow. the live broadcast. I was off by a billion there. Did you see that? You know, I said 100 million. So I was off by a billion. That's it. And this said, this is is nearly 40% of the world population at the time. (laughs) Why? That's so cool. That's so cool. (laughs) So you, yeah. So you're blown away by, by just that sound, that, that roar. Yeah. Yeah. And what, uh, how did it go for you? What you were able to, uh, to settle your brain and, and, uh, and sing your heart out, right? <laughs> well, that was my mission, you know, that was my job, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I did that. I mean, I, yeah. I listened back to it, and I, and I have the DVD, and uh, I think the whole band was really on point that day, you know, and Great. Mm-hmm. Bill Collins joined us. It was just, um, it was a thrilling, thrilling experience. Yeah, it was great. So cool. Yeah. Now, I see, this is kind of a weird comment, but um, on the song Layla, I see yeah. people commenting uh, that the um, the song was sped up, like the Phil Collins drumming. <laughs> I know. Give but, people a platform and they'll just, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, hope it doesn't matter. I mean, why not just enjoy the experience for what it was? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, no, I know. I did, I'm not, you know, you have people who are train spotters. It was there. Oh, I'm going to go get my Layla record and I'm going to listen to. No, I know. <laughs> you know, it was the energy of the crowd, and I think maybe mm-hmm. people don't understand that sometimes when you're feeding off the energy of a crowd, things might speed up because oh, you're yeah. getting such incredible energy mm-hmm. that is just part of the the give oh, and yeah. take of of the band and the mm-hmm. audience. It's it's yeah. what they want. It's what what they pull out of you so i don't know i couldn't tell yeah. you because i've never really sat there and yeah and it's only you're only doing three songs you're live you do the three songs and then the next band has to like you said with the revolving stage has to be ready yeah. so yeah 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 did you did you get to hang out with anybody backstage like anybody that you looked up to or you wanted to meet that you knew was going to be there well, I saw a lot of people. I saw Chrissy Hind. Um, I didn't really know her back then, but I was a big mm-hmm. fan of her tendons. Uh She was walking around. Madonna and Sean Penn were walking around, but we just kind of really stuck to ourselves. You know, yeah. we didn't really have a lot of, there wasn't really a lot of time or there was no like hospitality tent where everybody could hang out. I've seen and You probably there. think it's starstruck because, I mean, you're on stage with Eric Clapton and Phil Collins on the drums. <laughs> I mean, I, that's probably enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, we were focusing on, you know, doing the best show possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about um, Shakespeare's sister. When did you decide to change your name to Marcella Detroit? Um, Is it for the band or? It was it was when I first met Siobhan and we started working together and and we, did, we were working on the first album together. You know, at that point I was known I was not known as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was known as Marcy Levy, the background singer. Yeah, and I had sung mm-hmm. some of the best artists in the world. Yeah, and I was very proud of that, and I still am. Mm-hmm. But it was suggested by Siobhan that I change my name, and I at first I was a little resistant. Uh, well, I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm proud of 
of who I am and what I'm from. And, you know, even though she wasn't a fan of Clapton, she used to call him a dinosaur and, and all that. <laughs> I was very proud of the work I did with him and the songs I wrote. And, and I didn't necessarily want to, but then I thought, well, you know, maybe that's a good idea just to kind of give me a new lease on life, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as an artist for people to see me differently and not just this person, you know, this, yeah. this background seen in the back. So my name is Marcella, the only name I was born with. I don't have a middle oh, okay. name. Uh, mm-hmm. my name. My name is Marcella, and I'm from, we were thinking of names, and uh, I just thought, what about you, Trump? That's yeah, really. <laughs> and it's a big influence on me and my music. Yeah, so, that's how that came out. Tell us about the song "Stay." Um, and I've heard something weird that the song's about. I mean, maybe you were just joking, but I heard in an interview you said it was about a, a cat and an alien. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> well, after um, you're trying to just make up. <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of like a. Uh, funny way or an odd, you know, obtuse way of describing it. Actually, actually it's um, about, you know, when we started that second album, Hormonally Yours, Mm -hmm. we were were greatly inspired by by a 1950s American B-movie called Cat Women from the Moon. We loved it and we wanted to try to buy the rights to the movie and and superimpose ourselves into the movie. (laughs) And every song, every song was inspired by a different scene in the movie. Oh, okay. In in this one scene where my character that I was going to adopt, I was singing to an earthling. I was, we were cat women. I was singing to an earthling and come up to the moon to explore. And then uh, we met and I fell in love with him and he said he had to go back to earth. So stay Mm -hmm. without her falling in Mm -hmm. love with this, with this earthling and mm-hmm. begging him not to go back. And that's yeah. really what it's about. And every song has a different meaning associated with the movie. I mean, in the end, we couldn't buy the rights to the film. It would prove to be too expensive and the record label didn't want to do that. And mm-hmm. you know, we didn't really feel like spending a quarter of a million dollars trying to get the rights. So, so we yeah. just use it as inspiration and do the mm-hmm. record. Yeah. It all makes a lot more sense now that, you know, Bringing it together, thinking about the 1950s sci-fi. Yeah. 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 Couldn't figure it out individually, just looking at it uh, uh, on my own, you know? <laughs> I can understand. It's like, what? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. is this? <clears throat> Got women on the moon? Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, um, I saw you um, on the Pop Star to Opera Star. Saw some video of that. Uh, very interesting. I'm, you know, opera is not one of my top genres. I respect it, but I don't listen to it at home. Beautiful voice, uh, just beautiful voice. Thank you for for sharing that. Uh, what what do you? How was that experience for you? Well, was you it know, brief? It was just a pretty pretty short uh, thing there, right? Yeah, I mean, I went I went to an audition in November, like right around Thanksgiving of uh, two thousand nine, and then um, they. They liked me and wanted me for the show. So I went over to England mm-hmm. right before we did the show. I went over twice. I went over to kind of uh, meet all the coaches and, and get familiar mm-hmm. with everybody and uh, and get a little bit of input on, you know, what would be happening. And then I came back home and went back over to England right after the first of the year, uh, 2010. And, mm-hmm. um, and, I'll say one thing about it. Yeah, I mean, it went, I was there from beginning of January to the end of February, which when the show ended. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I 
I felt like it was an incredibly fulfilling experience because I loved I loved um, classical music, you know, playing violin mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. But but being able to sing with a live orchestra, a thirty piece orchestra, every Friday night of the show, wow, wow. was <laughs> just you know a dream. And so yeah. I'd always you know fantasize about, but. But to actually be able to do it, and they gave me the most beautiful arias to sing. I mean, at first I thought, "Oh my God, they gave me the hardest arias," but they were also the most beautiful. Just mm-hmm. singing them, I don't know, just took me to another place. Really, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I was in awe of, of you know the recordings that they gave me to listen to, you know, like Maria Callas and the Queen of the Night, um, which I thought I'll never be able to do that. A woman singing it sounds like a machine, but. Uh, yeah, it was a great experience. It was it was really um, enriching and fulfilling. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and you looked like you were uh, having fun. Would be understating. It looks like you were really you were really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I was enjoying it. Yeah, I was, but I I have a tendency to take things a little too seriously. <laughs> so I took it all a little bit too seriously, and I I spent all of my time learning those songs. I mean, I was learning those songs in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I read music, so I knew I had to. We only had one week to learn each song, and these are songs that I had never sung before. I had heard some of them, yeah, but I didn't know them in detail. And you know, I'm more of an improvisational singer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it comes from from like a, a higher place when I mm-hmm. when I start singing and really put myself into it. And with opera, there is no veering off the melody. In fact, I I did that one day in in like a um, you know one of our sessions with with the tutors and um the coaches they're like oh no 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 we don't do that with them. you stay yeah. Out so yeah. i make sure like that's really it was that's really far from rock and roll right <laughs> and in the middle of the show like right after i had done queen of the night um i had a big shot manager um who was there representing one of the other artists would you like to do an opera record and i'm like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know I don't think so. Only because, first of all, the classical world are very critical of anybody who just comes along and thinks they can do opera. Mm-hmm. I said to him, you know, I feel like it would be a little bit um, kind of careless, and and I would meet with a lot of criticism if I didn't, you know, get it exactly right, even though. People praised me and, and really loved what I did. I just felt like my heart is really more in, in you know, what I do, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it was a great experience, and I was really flattered to be asked. But mm-hmm. yeah. Let's talk about Elton John. Before you did the song, um, Nothing But The Real Thing. Yeah. Have you Did you meet him? Have you met him before that? Uh, like, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I met it when I was working okay. with Clapton. I, I mean, oh, okay. like, like back in the late seventies, we all went over to Elton's house, and we were all we were all doing crazy amounts of drugs all night long. Mm-hmm. Sitting, yeah. sounds like sitting, fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was a little bit crazy and, and yeah. reckless. Um, but I had met him before, but I hadn't seen him for many years until that opportunity came up. So that song was on, he put that on his duets album. Yeah. And well, then, what, yeah. And that's a Marvin Gaye song. It's more, yeah. It's more, yeah. Well, what happened was I was working on my Jewel album after I left Shakespeare's sister mm-hmm. uh, 
before I was asked to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I was working on my Jewel album, and and I was working with Chris Thomas, and Chris and Elton were good friends, and they had done a lot of work together. Elton called Chris and said, "Hey, I'm working on this duets album. Would you can you produce it?" And Chris said, "Well, no, I'm actually in the middle of working with Marcella Detroit on her album." And Elton said, "Well, oh, I'd love to do a song with her." Oh. Uh, so I was like, "Wow, okay, that's great. I love Elton. Oh my God, he was another one of my influences. Nice to see him in Detroit when I was just really young, like in my teens. I'd go yes. see, like, I'd see Leon. I'd go see Elton. Mm-hmm. So Elton said um, to Chris, "Tell her to pick a song." So I, I picked an Elton song. Um, I picked the Border song, but he didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, well. How about a Motown classic? So I picked Ain't Nothing Like the Real and and mm-hmm. we worked on that. We did the track and then he came in one day and we sang it together. Okay. And um yeah, and then the label, you know, he put it on his album and my label also wanted me to put it on my album. Mm-hmm. Who's playing harmonica on the song? Because it's you are, okay. It sounds it has that Stevie Wonder kind of Well Yeah. Oh. yeah Stevie yeah, coming out. But be influenced by him. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it when you mentioned Stevie earlier. I mean, Stevie's—he's just the best. I mean, just to just to be raised and hearing that, you know, when when I was young, I heard the hits that came through in the seventies from Stevie, yeah. and and uh, you know, it still touches me when I go back. It's like, oh wow, I should have been, I should have, you know, gotten that album when I was, you know, twelve or whatever. But I I, I didn't. But uh, yeah, just so smooth. We all love Stevie. Mm-hmm. So it came it came through in your harmonica. That's interesting. I love the. I started playing harmonica when I was about twelve, and you know, at first I sounded like a donkey. Just kind of, <laughs> then I realized how important it was to, you know, get single notes and and be more melodic, and then and then developing you know my own style. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been you know playing and and trying to learn ever since. Really, it's it's you know it's a simple instrument, and you can play it like like, like Bob Dylan plays it. Really simply, um, which is great and has the whole thing about it. Or, you know, I love like the old blues cats, mm-hmm. you know, um, like Holland Wolf and, and I mm-hmm. love Stevie's playing, which is kind of more jazzy and the instrument is more yeah. like piano in his mouth, really. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Um, but you know, we all, you know, have our own different styles, but yeah, I love it. It's a fun. A really fun instrument that can be mm-hmm. there's some kind of I feel really I have an emotional connection to it somehow it just it's just really fun and, and rewarding like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's vocal I mean you're it's a breathing and you know your your main instrument you know now is your voice and so uh, maybe it's related to that it's that that breathing in and out yeah perhaps yeah yeah so you recently uh, reunited with Siobhan for Shakespeare's sister yeah did you do a full tour, or was it just a couple of shows? We did a tour last last year, not last year, in twenty nineteen. In twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. we did a um like a a fifteen date tour. Okay. In the UK. And, okay. Um, yeah, and then the whole COVID thing happened. Yeah, so yeah. That was the end. That we did an EP, and there have been you know we did a bunch of TV shows over in the mm-hmm. UK, and and uh, yeah. Um, is there any any information on like a new album? No, we just did the, no, we just did the EP, the EP um, okay. that was released in, in twenty nineteen. I think it was released September October, and then we did the tour 
And then they released a box set, um, you know, mm-hmm. vinyl and and cassettes and photos and everything of of everything that we that she yeah, and I there's had a lot in there. Yeah, that was um, a few months ago, December 11th. That was released. yeah, um, and that that sold out too. How many were there box sets? I don't know. They don't were they numbered? Thousands. Okay. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah, I went in there to look, and it sold out. Oh, really? Which is a good thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get it anywhere. Yeah. No. I, but they are going to, um, you know, because everything was included with the, the box set. There was vinyl. There was a, a DVD of our mm-hmm. tour. Um, and, and they are telling me now that they're going to sell those things separately. So you oh, can okay. buy a complete, you know, yeah. the box set is not available. They're going to start selling things separately this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you working on any new music now? I mean, what have what have you been up to? Well, since <laughs> since lockdown started, this you know last March, um, I've written about fifty songs, and and I, I I've been going through them. My husband writes. As Did you well. say fifty oh, songs? Fifty. Yeah. Years, five wow. Years, uh, yeah. Five. Wow. wow. Yeah, and and you know, music really was the only thing that's been keeping me somewhat sane. Mm-hmm. My husband might disagree with my sanity, but but <laughs> if it wasn't for my music. And him, I don't know mm-hmm. where I'm right now. I'm just so grateful that I have somebody to go through this with. It's, um, yeah, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, it can be a lonely time for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, I feel really bad yeah. for anybody. Else. I mean, I I only work three days a week. I own a print shop, and it feels like every day is like Groundhog Day. Yeah, you know, you, you wake up and you mm-hmm. you got to try and find things to do. I love concerts. Mike and I love going. Going to concerts and yeah, or even a movie, go out to a movie. Yeah. I know. I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah, we can't. I've done it a year. Yeah, and then I you're know. you're almost afraid to go anywhere except the grocery yeah. store. You know, it's it's getting worse in Pennsylvania. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, with this, that new strain of the virus. So I, so I think it's, gonna be, it's definitely going to be next year. I mean, people people are already canceling the summer concerts. Yeah. You know. That's wise. I think we have to yeah. just kind of come together, you know, as humanity and just do the right thing. And the right yeah. thing is to just wait till it's under control. And even though yeah. it's frustrating, it's lonely, it's, you know, not good yeah. for a lot of people's mental health. Um, mm-hmm. It's just what we have to do. You mentioned your you mentioned your husband um, yeah. looking over your songs. Uh, what does he what's what's he do there to help you out in your songwriting? Well, sometimes he writes songs with me. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, he's a good engineer, so he helps me mix my songs. So you would ask me, you know, what I've been doing, and and out of these fifty songs, I've chosen. We have about fifteen that we feel are are really good and represent me as an artist, and and so I'm working on finishing those up and getting them mixed and releasing my own record mm-hmm. soon. Okay, great. Sometime, sometime in the next six months, I would say, if not before. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So that's what I'm working, and he's been helping me with that. And uh, that's great. We re- we really look forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Now are they are they pop songs? Are they are they just a combination of? I you know I like pop music. I like and and but I don't. They're not trite by any sense of the word. If, if pop conjures up any sense of mm-hmm. trite, yeah. 
you know, yeah. I, I like to write about things that are important to me. So, yeah, they have a pop sensibility. I try to make them sound fresh and modern, but I still have my, you know, my kind of soul slash mm-hmm. rock influences. And I like, I like some to add modern like modernity into it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like a combination. Because mm-hmm. I, I love your, your, you did a blues album. Yeah. Which is great. Mm-hmm. We did a version of Lay Down Sally on that. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I like the album Jewel. That's that's yeah. a really solid, solid album. Thank you. So Mike, yeah. do you have anything else? Uh just um just looking here, um, checked out your uh your vehicle album, uh twenty thirteen, uh-huh. I think it says. Uh, can't yeah. keep a good girl down. Yeah, I yeah. saw the video there and uh yeah, I like that. There's some good stuff there, yeah. Anything about uh, your 2013 album, Vehicle, that you can tell us? Um, well, I produced that on my own. and uh, Okay, that's unique. Yeah, yeah I produced mm-hmm. that and, and wrote all the songs. And and uh, I wanted to do it the old school way. I wanted to do it like, okay, i got two weeks. I want to you know get the musicians yeah. in. I, I did mm-hmm. some programming, but I got the musicians in that I wanted. A great rhythm section, James Gadsden, who's one of the best soul drummers in the world and, and uh it's played on if you google him you'll see he's just he's played with people from paul mccartney to bill withers you know the mm-hmm. song use me up he played drums on use me up i mean he's funkiest drummer in the world <laughs> and, and i love him and he's such a, a wonderful person and um and reggie mcbride on bass who's played with a lot of incredible people like stevie wonder and just tons of people so and he's from Detroit, so it can't be mm-hmm. that. <laughs> uh, he's really fun. So the two of them together, and and a few other guys, guy named Johnny Lee Shell plays some guitar. Play with Bonnie Ray, mm-hmm. and then these two young guys, um, Sam Meek on guitar, and uh, and this guy named Luke Miller on keyboard. Really soulful. So I just we just went to the studio. We did like five songs a day. And and then started adding overdubs. And then I had uh, a, a friend of Gadsden's, uh, Reggie Dozier, who is um, Lamont Dozier's son, Lamont Dozier. He mixed it for me. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, my my record label, I'm not my record label, my, my publishers actually funded it for me. They they funded two albums for me that year, which was unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'd never done that for anybody before. They did that for me, and one of the records didn't come out, but um, the other one that I produced, uh, it got picked up by Nova Universal, and and so I ended up doing some touring for that. But mm-hmm. it, it was kind of a little bit of a foray into getting back into my soul roots. You know, blues is still yeah. roots, but but I welcome new modern technology as well. Mm-hmm. I like, I like yeah. to mix them up. Some people might be confused by it, but. <laughs> I, like to, I like to experiment. I like to try new things and see what works and, and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you were able to have fun with that album, uh, producing it, and that sounds yeah. like it was a, a good time. It was hard work, you know. Right, right. Five 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 songs a day, and then later, uh, you know, dubbed and, and engineering. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it was, it was really rewarding, and um, I learned a lot. Don't yeah. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. I mean, I'm, you know, producing my, my new album. And, you know, it's always fun when you're in them. I love being creative more than anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And that's what keeps us alive. And during COVID-19, you know, to be creative, that's, that's the good weeks or months when you can do that. And yeah, we're all feel, we're all feeling that. But yeah, creativity really does help us, uh, thrive. Thrive is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Right. It's it's a necessity for me. I just yeah. I have to do. Yeah. There is nothing that is wrong. Jim, what do you got? Would you be up for some music trivia? <laughs> what? Music, music trivia. Music trivia. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Between you and Mike, I, I pre-picked these questions, so they're not hard. Or they shouldn't be hard. <laughs> yeah, we'll okay. find that out, won't we? Okay. Yeah, so, let us be the judge of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're taking turns, Jim. You're going uh, yeah. give to one, give one to her and then one to me, see what yeah. happens. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with Marcy first. Um, All right. Which Aerosmith song did Run DMC cover in 1986? Oh, or, she, or is that a trick question? See no, else? that's the right answer. Oh, okay. okay. Where's that bell? Are you supposed to have that bell? I have that bell. Here. Uh, well, I'm over here. Oh. <laughs> you can't hear it? Yeah, put it Yeah, away. barely. All right. All right. Okay. So, yeah, these are, yeah, you're getting, so, yeah. So, Marcy, D. Snyder was the front man of which 80s hair metal band? Twisted Sister. Twisted. <laughs> hey. All right. Mike, which singer had a 1983 hit with Rebel Yell? Yeah, Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, you made these too easy. See, what happened is, uh, Marcy, what happened is last time, uh, all the questions were very difficult. I think that was for uh, for Jimmy from the Smithereens, right? You know oh. the Smithereens? Yeah. Yeah, and, I don't yes. know that very well, but I... I'm yeah, so... Um, so yeah, uh, I they think, both I think got, got all of them wrong. So I just edited out the whole thing because it was. So now you give me Billy Idol questions. Okay, let's see what happens for a okay. couple more. I have another trivia game. It's MTV, and they're really hard. Like who oh, hosted the MTV Awards in a certain year? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So Marcy, who wrote Whitney Houston's chart-topping song "I Will Always Love You"? I should stay, Dolly Parton. Oh, right. see that I would not have gotten that. That's 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 I'm glad I'm you got it. Give it didn't make a fool of me. Beautiful, by the way. Dolly Parton version is beautiful. Yeah. She's getting well, here, some, a lot of press. Get, um what uh, I'm gonna but, give you a hard one, Mike. Okay, okay go yeah. ahead. Yeah. How many weeks was Brian Adams Everything I Do I Do It for You number one in the UK singles chart? <laughs> so you give me a question with a number. Okay, um It's be, uh, it's between ten and twenty. Yeah, I was going to say 13. No. <laughs> it was 16. 
16. All right. How about one more each for us, and that's it? Okay. Okay, Marcy, who wrote You've Got a Friend in Me for Pixar's Toy Story? Randy Newman? That's what I was going to say. Correct. All right, so I would have got that one. All right, one more for me here. Which early rock and roll singer died in an airplane crash along with the Big Bopper and Richie Valens? You better, you should know this. Um, uh, uh, Buddy Holly. Right. Oh, I got it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, Marcy, where can everybody find you? I know you're on Instagram. Do you have Uh, a I'm ubiquitous. Okay. Uh, It's hard to find. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, Marcella Detroit Official, and also Marcella Detroit and Marcella Detroit 2, which is like Roman okay. 2. Okay. Why are
Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. You can find Jim and Mike Talk on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and their host site, Podbean. The songs The Core, Lay Down Sally, and Stay were used with permission from Marcy Levy.